Amen, Miss Diane. Thank you for that beautiful offertory piece this morning. Several years ago, when I was in the sixth grade, all of our class received a question. What do you want to be when you grow up? And we had to answer that question individually to our two teachers, Brother Smith and Miss Bostick. And we went in order by last name, alphabetical. And so the first student came up to the front of the class and talked with the teachers. And everybody had to choose something different. So if your last name started with a W and you wanted to be a doctor and the first student's last name started with an A, you were in trouble, right? You, you, you didn't make it into the program. I wanted to be the shortstop for the St. Louis Cardinals. I can't do backflips like Ozzie Smith. I certainly can't even play baseball like Ozzie Smith. But that's what I wanted to do. But my friend, whose last name started with a letter that came before G, got to go first. And he also wanted to be a baseball player. So I had to come up with something different. I was told I couldn't be a baseball player when I grew up. And the truth is, I couldn't have been a baseball player when I grew up anyways. I enjoyed the sport, but in that moment when I had to answer the question, what do I want to be when I grow up, I knew what I wanted to be. And so I answered the question. I said, when I grow up, I want to be a preacher. I want to be a pastor. And so for our sixth grade class, all of us answered that question, and one of the parents of one of our class members, her dad was an artist. He would draw caricatures at the state fair, and he drew all of these portraits of each of the class members in our class, according to the profession of our choosing, along with the answer to that question and the picture that would hang around the stage in our sixth grade graduation, we also had to write one paragraph about what we wanted to be when we grew up. And so here's what I wrote. When I grow up, I want to be a preacher. I want to be a pastor because I want to tell all of the unsaved people about Christ. The second reason I want to be a preacher is because the preacher is the only one who gets to talk during the service. <laughs> well, except for those people who stand up and say, amen, brother. <laughs> I want to preach at a small church out in the country. I like churches in the country because they seem a lot less noisy like churches in the city have cars honking outside. This is what I want to do when I grow up. The Lord in His humor put a pair of train tracks out next to our church facilities, by the way. At 12 years old, I really did know that the Lord had called me to preach the gospel. My first sermon was to our sixth grade class before we walked out on the stage for graduation ceremony. And I could not be more thankful that God has called me to preach the gospel. 
that he called me to ministry. And I want to share with you the truth this morning. You might not have been called to be a pastor at 12 years old, but if you are a Christian, if the Lord Jesus Christ has called your name and you've run out of the grave into his glorious day, then he has indeed called you to ministry. The word ministry itself simply means service. You might serve the Lord by being a pastor or a preacher, a music minister, a children's minister. You might also serve the Lord by being a van rider, an Awana helper, a youth small group leader, a committee chairperson, a deacon, an organist, a choir member. If you have been called to follow Christ, then you've also been called to serve Christ. And I want to share with you this morning that even though I am thankful God has called me to ministry, and even though many of you, just by the smiles on your face, are thankful that God has called you to serve Him in some way, ministry at many times is difficult, isn't it? It's challenging. It's hard. If it's not hard or challenging, it may be that you're not serving the Lord wholeheartedly yet like He wants you to. Because when you put your whole heart into something, there's going to be some heartbreak and heartache along the way. But if you will find meaning in the ministry that God has called you to, then you will faithfully minister to Him and to others. And so if you're here this morning and you're sitting out there thinking, man, Jake, you knew that at 12 years old God wanted you to preach? I'm still 40 and I have no idea what God wants me to do. Maybe you'll realize today that God has indeed called you to minister in His name in some way, shape, or form in whatever you're already doing. Maybe working at the factory or teaching at the schoolhouse. Maybe to your own family in your household. Maybe you'll realize today what God has given you to do in service to Him and to others. And maybe for some of you who know what God has called you, what He's gifted you to do, the place or position in which He set you to minister in His name to Himself and to those around you, Maybe in the midst of some discouragement and difficulty, maybe in the midst of some hardship and some questioning, God, is this really what you want me to do and is this really worth it? You'll be encouraged to keep going. I want to challenge you this morning to find meaning in ministry so that you may faithfully minister. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I want to give you this challenge from a passage in Romans chapter 1, verses 8 through 12. Romans chapter 1, verses 8 through 12. And as you're turning there today, I just want to share with you a little bit of background information about when and how Paul wrote this little book of Romans so that you can understand why he wrote 
these introductory words in chapter 1 that we're going to look at together. Paul had not yet been to Rome at this point in his life. He had a desire to go there and to be around Christian believers to encourage the church that was there, to share the gospel with them to others within the city. Rome was a hugely influential city. As the capital of the powerful Roman Empire, the most powerful empire in the world at that time in history. Paul had a desire to see these believers so that he could establish them in the faith and so that they could encourage him in his own faith. And as he wrote to them, he thanked God for the opportunity to know who these people were and to pray for them and to serve the same God that they served along with them. And so he wrote in Romans chapter 1, verses 8 through 12. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Just pause right here with me for a moment. Paul took time to thank God through Jesus Christ for these believers in Rome. Believers, some of whom he had never met before in his life. But he was thankful for them. Church, I want to share something with you this morning. I thank God for you, for all of you. And unlike Paul, I've gotten to see you and know you over several years. And I'm still thankful for you. Isn't that wonderful? Hey, listen, I really do love you and I appreciate you. I want you to know that we share a common faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And what's so wonderful is that even though our time on earth here is limited, our time in eternity won't be. We're going to get to worship God together forever because of his son, Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Man, it's good. And Paul gave a reason for thanking God for these believers. He said, your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Now, he wasn't just trying to flatter them or over-exaggerate, but people throughout the far reaches of the Roman Empire had come to know that there were believers in the Lord Jesus Christ living within the city of Rome who were faithful to the Lord. I want you to know this, First Baptist Church, Walnut Ridge. There are people on the other side of the world that know and have heard of your faith. You haven't even met them. They haven't even met you. But did you know that there's a group of believers who gathered at Hamakia in Lesotho, Africa, just several hours ago, because they're a little bit ahead of us time-wise, and they know that there are people here who are praying for them as they continue to grow in their faith? Did you know that there are a couple of young missionaries working with an organization called Teach Beyond in Chiang Rai, Thailand, named Jack and Queenie Waffler, that share with their fellow believers in Thailand 
We have a group of people in Walnut Ridge, Arkansas who love us and are praying for us. Your faith is being spoken of throughout the whole world. Isn't that cool? That's not the only places where it is, but I just want you to know that and understand your faith is a blessing to other Christians all over the planet. Paul went on to write in verse 9, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Church, I've gotten into the habit as best I can of praying for you each and every day, multiple times a day. Paul said that I pray without ceasing over in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Here in verse 9, he says, without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. This verse kind of has given me as a, ch a challenge as your pastor, to be honest with you, to pray for you without ceasing and to pray for you always. Paul prayed for this group of Christians in Rome without giving up. Paul prayed that God would move and work in their hearts and in their lives and through their congregation so that his glory could continue to be displayed throughout the world. My prayers the last several weeks have centered around a, a few common themes. I've been praying that the Lord would give you, give us as a church, faith and wisdom and unity. I've prayed that God would give us faith so that we can move I've prayed that God would give us wisdom so that we can move forward. I've prayed that God would give us unity so that we can move forward together. If you want to know how I've been praying for you, that's how I've been praying for you. And I'll continue to, to do that. But I long to pray even more. Most mornings before I get into the office... After I drop my kids off at school, I'll come in here and kneel at this altar. And that's when I pray for you in the mornings. And then I pray for you throughout the day too. Sometimes I pray for each of you individually. There's a lot of prayer requests you share. I'm thankful that you share them. I'm thankful that I have the opportunity to pray for you. It gives me the chance to see God answer more and more prayer. And as I thought about Paul, this traveling pastor and church planter and evangelist praying for Christians, I thought, man, Paul had a lot of people to pray for, didn't he? You think about all the cities that he went to, all of the people that he led to the Lord, all of the Christians that he met that he encouraged and that encouraged him along the way. He had a lengthy prayer list. Paul had to pray without ceasing if he was going to pray for all of these people, didn't he? Lord, may I pray without ceasing for these believers. And Paul 
then went on to explain what his prayer request for these particular believers in Rome was about. In verse 10, Paul said, making request, if by some means, now at last, I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. Remember, he had not yet met these believers at this point in the ministry that God had called him to. There's coming a day that he would. In fact, he'd meet many of them because he would be imprisoned for preaching the gospel. The Lord, in his providential way, would lead Paul to this city to meet these believers. And I'm sure that Paul would encourage them, and I have no doubt that they would encourage him in some of those hard times in his life and in the ministry. But I have a privilege that Paul really didn't get to have. If you read through the New Testament, the Apostle Paul really didn't stay anywhere for very long. The Lord had given him a wide open door to share the gospel with numerous people in numerous places, to help churches be founded and to help them begin growing in the Lord. And then he'd leave and move and go on and do something else. Folks, I counted a blessing personally to be able to have served at First Baptist Walnut Ridge for the past 15 years of my life. I tell people that I meet who are twice as old as me in ministry that I've been at First Baptist Walnut Ridge for 15 years, and they go, what? Some of them don't even think I look 15 years old. That's really why I keep the beard, to be honest with you. It is a wonderful privilege to pastor this church. It was a wonderful privilege before that to serve as associate pastor and youth minister and before that to serve as children's minister. And my prayer is not so much, God, I long to see these people that I've never met before as it is this. God, I long to go with these people the rest of my life in ministry to all of the world around us until we go to heaven together. That's really my prayer. Now, we'll all lead as God directs us. Amen? But church, I could not be more thankful that God has given me that request to be with you, to continue going to our neighbors and to the nations to take the gospel to people that need to hear it. And then we come to the real meat of the message this morning in verses 11 and 12. I've told you that you need to find meaning in ministry so that you may faithfully minister. And in verses 11 and 12, here's where Paul provides two very important points that give you meaning in ministry so that you can faithfully minister. Look at verse 11. Paul didn't just say that I'm praying to see you. He also gave this desire and the reason for his desire to see these believers. Verse 11 says, For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. If you want to find meaning in ministry, you find it in seeing others established. 
so that you may be established. Folks, when God called me to preach the gospel, I didn't have a desire to preach the gospel so that I could make money. I really didn't have a desire in my heart to preach the gospel because the only person that gets to talk in the service is the preacher. I just like to be funny every once in a while. Some of you guys know that. I want to be a pastor. I want to preach the gospel so that I can tell people about Christ. That is ministry. In fact, if you bump back up to Romans chapter 1 verse 1, what you find is this. That it's really not Paul's ministry. Or it's not my ministry. It's his ministry. It's his service. In Romans chapter 1 verse 1, Paul says that Paul was a bondservant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle and separated unto the gospel of God. It is God's ministry. Whether you're a preacher or a pastor, a children's minister, a van driver, a choir member, you name it. If you are called to ministry, you're called to His ministry. You're separated to declare the gospel of God in what you say and in what you do. To point people towards Jesus, the one who died on the cross for our sins, who was buried in the tomb, and who three days later rose again to give new life to all who believe in Him. That is the reason that God calls you to ministry. And that's the reason you need to continue to minister. Hear me this morning. If you don't know what God wants you to do, I'm about to tell you very plainly. God wants you to point people to Jesus Christ. Do you get it? That's ministry. You're like, Jake, that's not fair. I still don't know what God wants me to do. No, listen, listen. You still don't get it if you don't know what God wants you to do. Whatever you are doing right now, You need to do so that you point people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Say, Jake, but how specifically? How exactly? Seek wisdom from the Holy Spirit. He'll guide your steps. He'll make your path straight. Proverbs says that the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. When your heart plans to point people to Jesus, God will make those practical steps very plain to you so that you can take them as he guides and directs. But if your heart is not set to point people to Jesus, then you still have no purpose for ministering in the first place. Do you see the point? You find meaning in ministry by longing to see other people established in the Christian faith, by pointing people to Jesus, when that is on your heart and on your mind, then God will help you understand how exactly He wants you to do that with your gifting and your personality. The first way we find meaning in ministry is by finding it and seeing that others are established. 
We see others established, Paul says, by imparting some spiritual gift. Verse 11, he said, for I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. In other words, when Paul used his spiritual gift of evangelism, it wasn't just so people thought of him as a good evangelist. It was so that they could be evangelized. When I preach, I don't preach because I like the sound of my own voice. I preach because I want you to hear the Holy Spirit's voice speak to your heart. Do you understand? It's not just about the person who is doing the ministry being lifted up. It's about the person who is doing ministry service lowering themselves so that God can be lifted up. And when you lower yourself in service and the Savior is lifted up, other people will be established in the faith. Paul wanted to see them face to face so that he could impart some spiritual gift to them so that they could be established. This word established could also mean rooted. It could mean strengthened. It could mean built up. That is, Paul longed to see people root themselves in Christ and remain connected to Christ like a branch ties into a vine and to see them grow and flourish and bear fruit for God's kingdom. The first way we find meaning in ministry is by seeing others established. And Paul went on to give a second reason a second way we could be, we could find meaning in ministry in verse 12. He really, he's just expounding on what he's already stated in verse 11. And he said this, that is that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. How very redundant of Paul. Do you hear all of that? Together. With you, mutual faith, both of you and me. For Paul, being separated to the gospel of God and ministering to point people to Jesus Christ was something that brought meaning and fulfillment to the lives of others when they were established, but also brought meaning and fulfillment to himself because he was encouraged. That is when Paul fulfilled the calling that God had given to him and pointed other people to Jesus and he saw them established in the faith. It was a great encouragement to his heart, to his mind, to his entire life and well-being. Paul wasn't encouraged when he received money. Paul wasn't encouraged when somebody patted him on the back. Paul wasn't encouraged when somebody said something nice about him. Paul was encouraged when he saw other people established in their faith in the Lord. And I'm sure it was a wonderful blessing to Paul to receive the money that he needed to continue on his missionary journey. And I'm sure it was a wonderful thing when Paul was imprisoned to have somebody come and visit him and pat him on the back and pray with him. 
And I'm sure that it was a wonderful thing for Paul to have somebody write him a nice thank you note or just to say something encouraging to him. But what kept Paul going in ministry was seeing Jesus change people's lives all around him. And church, I want you to to understand me this morning. I very much appreciate the potluck that you're going to provide for me and Bryce and Nick and our families. And we do, man, we, we love opening those thank you cards and those notes of encouragement that you send to us. I have enjoyed hearing from you this week, phone calls and text messages and drop-by visits at the office, sharing words of encouragement with us. But I, I need you to hear and understand, God calls people to ministry, okay? And if God calls people to ministry, God is the one who's going to keep people in ministry. If you let someone else in your own life dictate what God calls you to do, where he calls you to go, and how he calls you to do it, what's going to happen is you're going to let somebody in your life discourage you and distract you and deter you from doing what God wants you to do in your life. There is a sense in which this church called me to be the pastor. You guys voted on that. Maybe you should have voted no. I don't know. You voted on that several years ago. I'm thankful that you voted and allowed me to serve in this capacity. But folks, God is the one who calls. God's the one who gifts. God is the one who assigns. Do not stop ministering because somebody else bothers you. You hear me? Do not throw a fit and quit because somebody else makes you upset. Do not bow out because you're bucking heads with somebody else. Continue in ministry because you're seeing what God is doing in your life and through your life in the lives of others. Let me tell you what's even more encouraging than the wonderful potluck we're about to have. What's more encouraging than that is seeing a 40-year-old man walk into your office on a Monday after he's listened to you preach your heart out on a Sunday morning. And he says, Jake, I'm going to be honest with you. You were preaching yesterday, and I knew I wasn't saved. I just don't know what to do about it. But I want to get my salvation right with the Lord. I want to come to know Jesus. That's what's more encouraging than a church potluck. Seeing somebody give their life to Christ in your office on a Monday morning and getting to baptize them the next week. It's awesome, man. You want me to tell you what's even more encouraging than a, a pat on the back from somebody else? What's even more encouraging is preaching at a camp in the summertime. And seeing one of those kids that you picked up on the church van every week stand up in the middle of the invitation and say, I want to know Jesus. I want to be a Christian. Telling you, man, it it is. You want to know what's even more encouraging 
than receiving a, a thank you note or receiving a phone call or a text message that says, hey, I, I love you, I'm praying for you, I thank God for you. You know what's even more encouraging than that? Seeing somebody who's been a Christian for years but has honestly never read their Bible on a daily basis before begin to have a daily quiet time with God. And all of the sudden, their Christian life grows exponentially because they're not just listening to the pastor preach on Sunday morning and hearing God speak one day a week. But they're hearing God speak every day throughout the week as they study His Word and hear from the Holy Spirit as He speaks to their hearts. And so folks, hear me. I'm thankful and I am encouraged by the encouragement that you give to us today. But I'm even more encouraged because of what I've seen God do in your lives. And because of what I've seen God do in and through this church. And in your own life and in the ministry as you serve the Lord, I want you to listen and pay attention. There are going to be times that you do things and nobody says thank you. God sees what you've done. There are going to be times that what God calls you to do is trying and it's taxing and you wonder if it's worth it. The Lord will allow you to see just little glimpses of His glory if you will continue to minister faithfully in his name by finding meaning in ministry, seeing others established so that your soul can be encouraged. Paul wrote over in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap what we sow if we do not lose heart. Find meaning in ministry so that you can faithfully minister. And that's the question I want to ask you this morning. You as an individual Christian and you as a church, will you find meaning in ministry so that you can faithfully minister? Will you find true meaning and true fulfillment in what God has called you to do? Pointing other people to Jesus and will you keep following Him? And when you keep ministering in His name, despite the hardships and the heartache, despite the difficulties, despite the trials and tribulations, will you keep going even if you're weary and tired so that in due season you can reap what you've sown? So that in due season you can see what only God can do in and through your life. I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. In just a moment, there's going to be a song of invitation played. As a song is played today, I simply want to invite you to respond as God spoke into your heart today. Maybe you're here this morning. And you've been wrestling in your heart and your mind with a call to the gospel ministry that is 
You think the Lord has maybe separated you apart unto himself to be a pastor or to be a missionary, to be a youth minister or a music minister or a children's minister. You think God has given you a special calling on your life to serve him in that way. And maybe you don't know where to start, but maybe you know you need to come to the Lord this morning and just say, God, whatever you want from me, I'll do. Or maybe you're here this morning and you've called yourself a Christian a long time. You've known Jesus, but your life has not been about pointing other people to him. Maybe you just need to submit yourself to the Lord's will in everything that you're doing. And just say, God, I don't know how exactly you want me to do this or, or what exactly you want me to do, but I know you want me to point people to Jesus. Whether I'm at the farm or the factory or the church or in my own home, I know that's what you want me to do, so help me to see how I need to do it. Or maybe you're here this morning and you know. You know how you need to minister. You know how God's gifted and called you to minister, but you're growing weary and tired because of the difficulties and the trials. Maybe you need to find meaning in the ministry this morning. By thinking about how God has been working through you to impact and influence the lives of others around you. Keep going. Don't give up. When you find meaning in ministry, you be faithful to minister. God, we thank you so much for our time together this morning in worship. God, in song, in the giving of our tithes and offerings and the hearing of your word preached in prayer. And God, now we come to this point in the worship service this morning where we respond to you so God, may we give ourselves wholeheartedly to your ministry. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.